So, hi, Dr. Mika. Um, hi, so, Matt. So, tell me a little bit something about yourself. Well, I am a sociology professor here at Mount San Antonio College. I've been at Mount SAC. Oh my goodness. I've been here since 1998. Can you believe oh. that? <laughs> I think oh. I'm here five. Well, yeah, I, I just, I love it. I love it. And I, you know, I don't plan to be here another, gosh, I don't know how many years that is, 20 something years, but um, I do probably plan to retire from here. And why did you pick the position that you're in right now? What do I, um, what am I teaching? No. So why did you pick the position? Why, why did you become a professor? Oh, yes. Um, great question. I, you know, I love learning. I absolutely love learning. And so I decided to become a professor because when you're a professor, you never stop learning. People think it's all about the teaching, but I think that it's about the learning. And so whenever I'm working with students in my sociology classes or social justice, because I teach social justice or the LGBTQ classes, I mean, I just learn so much. And so it's just really and truly, there is nothing that I would rather do. Than, than what I do. Well, the other thing I do is counsel. So I also do do therapy. Um, oh. And yeah, yeah, marriage and family. <laughs> yes, marriage and family. So I work primarily with couples and um, help them with their conflicts, which again, my sociology background is very helpful for that. And I also like to work with women and people in the LGBTQ community. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned sociology. Yes. So what made you want to teach it? What made me want to teach sociology? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I've always just been interested in why people do what they do, right? And so, you know, and I think that the the therapy part gets into the what's going on in the person's head, right? That's like the psychology. But sociology is the study of social interactions and how we influence each other's behavior. And so that's just always been fascinating to me, right? Yeah. And I've always um, had a real heart for social justice, even before I knew the term social justice. So. <laughs> Always been concerned about issues of inequality, um, racism, classism, sexism, ableism, all those isms. They just really get me fired up and want to make the make the world a better place. It sounds cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, you missing justice. Um, so, so, this is going to be about police brutality, and I want to talk to you more about that because in this 
Asian society. Um, there are a lot of races against Latino, uh -huh. and police officers. We want, yeah, we want, we, sorry, no. That's okay. Yeah, so we, we don't get along. Uh -huh. In the sense, and I want to talk to you more about that because I know you teach George justice in yes. your classroom, and I want to know that more in the expand. So, what do okay. you think? What do you think about police brutality in the Latino? Oh, that is such a good question. I mean, police brutality in the Latino community is just, it's just, it's horrible. You know, it, it really is because the bottom line is that it comes down to a respect of humanity, right? That we are human beings and it doesn't matter um, your race, your ethnicity, your color, your income, those things do not mean that, that you still do not have rights as a human being. And, you know, some police officers do the right thing. There are, that is true. Some do the right thing. Um, but too many do the wrong thing and yeah. they abuse their power. And so when police officers are in especially poor neighborhoods, um, we call them the poor, poor black and brown neighborhoods where the people don't have the funds to pay for uh, lawyers, right? To defend them, they have to rely on a um, public defender. Then the police know that they can get away with things that they should not get away with. Mm. And sometimes they, they have their own issues, their own problems. And there's this concept that we call misplaced aggression. And so it's when you have a lot of frustration and anger, and maybe you're frustrated at the world, but you can't take it out on the world, right? So you take mm -hmm. it out on those you can. So maybe you, you know, maybe you scream at your kids or you hit your wife, you know, and then you, if you're a police officer and you have a gun and you have, a baton and you have power, then you go and you, you know, sometimes you attack people who are vulnerable and, and cannot, um, and may, may be even afraid to report it. Yeah, that is true because today, earlier, I don't know what time, I will look at TikTok, you mm -hmm. know, up, and I thought this, but police officer, I believe he's like, Caucasian and other person was like, I don't know, Mexican or white, but uh -huh. he's really bad so, because the police officer who heard out of the car 
with his, his voice. So, yeah, so I've seen police, police brutality again way out of control. And yes, I'm going to stop it. I yes. Who, but someone. I, I agree. It, it's out of control. Um, I think that's the, a really good way to put it, Matt, because um, there are police officers who are out of control. And then when you have the good ones, you know, who are afraid to say something, because when um, even when good police officers stand up and try to intervene, they may lose their job. That that's happened. Um, so we have to we have to watch out for that. And then if the person that the police officer is brutalizing is undocumented, right? Then that person may be afraid to report the abuse because then they would have to, you know, um, reveal their documentation status. Yeah. Yeah. So report agreed. It can be way out of control and someone needs to stop it. Yes. So the next question is, why do you think police, police attack the Latino community? What should they be doing to protect the community? No, why do you think they attack the community, the Latino community? Well, I think they attack the Latino community because they can, you know? Um, we have so much racism in our culture. And, you know, this year, probably since the brutal attack on, you know, George Floyd, the whole world has been made aware of how bad the race problem is in the United States still, you know, people like to say that, oh, it's better. And, and it is better. I mean, you know, I'm an African American woman, I'm not enslaved. You know, I'm a college professor at a college where, you know, in the past, maybe I couldn't have even attended a college, right. But it's still that there is systemic racism. There's there's racism that's built into how we conduct our society. So for example, just um, two days ago, the verdict came out that um, Derek Chauvin was going to be, was convicted, right? He was found yeah. guilty, but that guilty um, verdict only happens in about 1% of cases well, when police are brought forward. Yeah. So if you know that you can, abuse people um, and more than likely nothing is going to happen to you yeah. then unless you're just a good person at heart you're gonna you're gonna do it and it's yeah. a shame but it's it's true yeah you made you made a great point about everything and i really appreciate what you've been doing for coming in for college students for African-American students, I mean, people, man, like Latino, like me. So 
I really appreciate it and thank you so much about that. So the next question is, how does this affect the Latino group? Oh, goodness. It, there's, it's a negative, it's a really negative effect, right? Because it instills in people a sense of fear. It instills in people a sense of fear because it's one thing when we can say, all right, if I do something wrong, I'm going to be punished. We have a sense of control, right? So I brought it on myself because I did the wrong thing. But when you can be punished, when you can be brutalized and you haven't done anything except for wake up in the morning and breathe, right? Then that's a problem. And so it can make people feel very um, fearful to even get in their cars because there's something we call colloquially um, getting a DWB, driving while black or driving while brown, right? You didn't do anything. Yeah. You were just driving your car, doing the speed limit, you know? And sometimes it's like, you might get pulled over because you look suspicious because you weren't doing anything wrong. Yeah. So it's like, goodness gracious. So yeah, so it can make people feel afraid. It can make people feel um, powerless, right? It can make people feel like, you know, and hopeless because I, I can't stop it. I mean, I think about that, you know, I think if I go out and a police officer assaults me, how would I, how would I stop them? Right. I mean, they've got the gun. So, you know, and they've got the, the law behind them. Uh, well, okay. It's not the law, but they've got practices. This is part of the, the systemic um, part that we have policies and then we have practices. Practices aren't necessarily part of policy, but it's what we do anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So they're practices and they get away with doing corrupt, engaging in corrupt practices. So it can make you feel hopeless. It can make you feel helpless. It can make you feel depressed. So the mental health impacts are, are very strong, you know, very negative. And then it can just make some people feel angry, right? And then again, misplaced aggression. So you can't go up. Well, now some do. Sometimes there have been attacks on police, you know, like um, forms of retaliation, or sometimes it's a misplaced aggression where you, maybe you take it out on your family, right? And so you have all this anger and all this pain built up. And so now you come home and you, you know, you, 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 you hit your spouse or you hit your children, right? Or you, or you try to escape by drinking yourself you know, into oblivion or, or maybe you're taking other kinds of drugs. So it, it, there's just, there's no, nothing positive, nothing positive comes out of police abuse of power and brutality. Yeah, speaking about your family, do you talk to your, your husband or your kids or your sister, brother, mother about this? Well, you know, interestingly, my father, um, who's passed away, but my father was in law enforcement, mm -hmm. right? Yes, he was in law enforcement. So, um, and that was a whole nother thing to be a person of color in law enforcement, right? And so, 
you don't want to participate in actions that are racist and you are also experiencing the racism within the um, police academies and department, right? And so that's a whole other thing. But yes, um, my parents, when I was younger, prepared me for interactions, something we call the talk, right? It's the talk where they talk to you about how you need to behave so that um, if you if you do have any interaction with the police, then it will at least go well. Now, they didn't talk specifically about that. That was just part of my own up, upbringing period, right? You know, be respectful to authority, obey your teachers. So that of course included police officers, but just things like, you know, don't run out of a store. Uh, you know how kids will just like leave a store and say, let's race, you know? They were like, don't do that because They'll think you're stealing something, you know. <laughs> I was, I was one of those kids like selling food, selling everything. I'm one of those kids, but then I stopped when I was 18 because I know, uh, I know if a cop came me or caught me. Uh -huh. I, I didn't want to go to jail. Yeah, exactly. Because I know jail bad for, bad for all of us. And my parents have that talk with me and my sibling. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. And that's part of it, right? That when you are in a culture where there is racism and classism, and then those two intersect, that's what we call in sociology, intersectionality, where you have um, racism, and then you have that intersects, that connects or crosses. You also have maybe classism, where there's discrimination on, uh, against people who are poor, who, people who are people of color, and then also citizenship, Okay, so nativism, where there is a preference for people who are native born. So people who are Latinx, they have often, you know, all three of those intersecting, right? And then don't throw on, you know, don't let them be, you know, um, Muslim or, or Jewish or something. And then you got that, that discrimination on top of everything. And then maybe a person that, ha you know, is differently abled in some way. It's like, goodness gracious, make you just want to give up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I really love your answer because it's going to help me in the future where I'm going to go to. Where, yeah, it can help me everywhere. So, Thank you again. Oh, you're very welcome. Because, you know, I mean, the thing is, you know, what we're doing and how we got a chance to meet, you know, we met on Monday nights at our my, um, Minority Male Initiative, even though I'm not male, um, I still go and you all welcome me. But even though I jokingly said it can make you want to give up, the point is community, right? Having community is what helps us to keep going. And 
then through community, we, have, we can strengthen and encourage each other. And we can also have um, combined resources. So we can combine our resources. And we have our young people you know, getting their education, like you, getting your education so that you'll be able to help the next generation you know, as well. And so um, it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. And there are things that are changing. Um, laws, we're changing laws and the eyes, the eyes are of, the, of the whole world are watching us. So, you know, when people know they're being watched, they start acting right. Yeah. They're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, and you're right about giving up because when I was at Montsec, I think like my first or second semester or year, I just want to give up because mm -hmm. or it's so yeah. mentally hard. I can't pass math, I can't pass English, I can't pass okay. any college. I mean, I need classes, but, but what I'm, what I mean, never giving up with was a little bit about my me and I all love because about my surroundings friends and family. Yes, friends and family, your surroundings, yeah. yes. Uh, so if, if there weren't any of them there, I would give up just like that. Yes. So, yeah, so shifting gears a little bit. Um, so have you seen any police brutality in front of your eyes? That in front of my eyes. Latino group? You know, I thank God I haven't actually. I haven't seen it happening in front of me. Um, sometimes when I see a police officer pull somebody over, I might, um, you know, just pull, pull over and just kind of watch to, you know, yeah. see if anything's going to happen that I need to be recording or whatever. But for, fortunately, I, ha I have not encountered it. So um, that's, that's a good thing. Have you, have you, I mean, I know you're supposed to be the one asking the questions, but have you seen it in, in, in front of you or have you experienced it? Oh, for me, never, but I see video like on TikTok, YouTube, uh -huh. Instagram, Facebook, all the platforms. And I uh -huh. wish I could do something, but I physically can and mentally, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. To tell you the truth, yeah. No, that's honest. That's honest. Well, because you know that um, when you get involved, then that's that's they're gonna come after you, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I think this is the last question. Sure. Um, do you know? Anybody that been involved in police brutality? Do I know anybody who's been the victim of police brutality? Well, 
again, um, yes, in the sense that in this way, not, no, hmm, not Latino, not, not, not Latinx. Well, you know what? Let me say this. I probably do, right? Because I have class full of students and they have stories. And I've heard some of the stories. So um, in that sense, yes, I guess I do. Because they do sometimes write about them in their papers. I was just thinking of my personal life more so than my professional life. Yeah. Um, but yes, in my, in my professional life as a professor, I do hear stories, you know. And even if it doesn't go all the way to brutality, it's just harassment, right? You know, just like, you know, I remember one student of mine, a Latinx student was telling me, he's like, every day I'm on my way to school and the same officers just pull me over. Where are you going? He's like, to my college class, what do you got in the bags? You got drugs in the bags? Yeah. Books, you know? And he's just like, why do they keep doing this? I can't even get to my classes on time, you know, because I keep getting pulled over for no reason. So, um, you know, that was just a story about, I just remember that one that comes to mind about harassment and just because he was a Latino male. Oh, and then another story, this again was harassment. Um, just a, uh, a student was telling me, well, actually this was interesting. This was more, this was a, a white female student who was telling me that she was in the car with her boyfriend and his friends, which, you know, if you have three uh, men of color in a car, that's a gang <laughs> as, far as, as far as the police may be concerned. And then the white girl, she was a kidnap, kidnap victim. Whoa. <laughs> so they, they pulled him over. The police pulled her aside and said, are you okay? Are you being kidnapped? And she was like, no, this is my, this is my boyfriend and his, his brothers, you know, we're, we're on our way to wherever, but there's just the assumption, right? That if you're, if you're Latinx, if you're African-American, um, even if you're a group of Asian males in a car, that you are uh, um, up to no good, which and, is really sad. And do you talk to your students about this or? <laughs> or what? Do I talk to him about it? Do I no, stop like, talking to him about it? No, is more like, the question. No, like personal. Like not in front of your class, just one on one and talking about it. Do you do that? If they need to, if they need to talk about it, I do make myself available. You know, I say, hey, this stuff hurts. If you need to get it out. But then I, I, I mainly, you know, encourage them if it's going to be like, if they need ongoing, then I encourage them to, to go and talk to one of the, the, the school therapists, right? Yeah. But sometimes, yes, sometimes the things that we talk about in class can trigger someone, right? Because, ooh, we talk about some hard stuff in social justice and in criminology, because that's another thing that I teach, criminology and the over-incarceration of the um, Latinx males we talk about the um abuses of latinx um latino boys in you know schools the, the school to prison pipeline so we talk about all of that stuff in my class and yes it's it's 
really sad that we spend more money on prisons than we do on schools. Well, again, I'd like to say thank you for this. You really helped me a lot. So thank you for this. Well, thank you, Matt. And it was an honor. And um, definitely let me know when you know you you ever need to talk again, and I will I will I will be there. I will yeah, help you out. I will. I will. Okay. <laughs>